are getting close to the anniversary of, uh, of uh, celebrating Jesus' uh, birth. And what a special time of the year. People all over, uh, man, they're just happier. Uh, the season brings with it. Thank you, Michael. The season brings uh, feelings that uh, doesn't seem to me we experience that broadly throughout the year. For those of us who love Christ, it is the absolute best. I love the lyrics in that song. Open our eyes in wonder. Uh, that's been our hope for this Christmas series. We're dealing with a subject. How many of you have heard of the birth of Jesus before? Again, my prayer every day is that our familiarity with this story wouldn't prevent us from truly celebrating it. Our hope for all of us here at RCC was, uh, is that we would experience more of the hope and uh, the joy and the love that comes with celebrating Jesus and who he is at this time of the year than, than ever, ever before. Life goes on in one form or another. Uh, Marilyn Nelson, um, one of our longtime church family members, uh, condolences to uh, all the Nelsons, but uh, she's celebrating this Christmas with the baby. Well, he's no longer a baby, but uh, she is celebrating uh, this Christmas with Jesus and his immediate uh, presence. Um, you know, I sit at this table not that often, you notice, right? Now, for me, it's, it's primarily an act of discipline. Uh, I do it particularly when there's something, you understand, I get so excited every week. You guys let me talk about God. I, it's still just too great a gift. It, I don't know if you know it, but you even pay me to do this. This is just too good. But there are some weeks more than others where I get extra excited. And so I actually sit at the table because I just go, man, it's going to help me to be a little bit uh, constrained. Well, that's not the reason I'm sitting there, sitting here this week. Many of you know Jim and Elaine Holiday. They just celebrated uh, their uh, 73rd anniversary. Jim is 93. I'm not going to give you Elaine's age. Uh, but he had a heart attack Friday morning. At about 4.30, Elaine called 911, got to the hospital, and they actually put a stint in his heart, and he's recovering. I talked to him just about an hour ago a little bit. He's doing very well. But Keith ran over Friday morning. I was golfing. Keith ran over Friday morning <laughs> and uh, got, to, got, got to see him. And, and, and I talked to Keith. Uh, he, he, he called me right after that. And uh, 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 we knew he was feeling better because... He's just had heart surgery, and, and uh, Jim and Elaine, I don't know if you're joining us today, and all you guys online, uh, very nice to have you with us. He just had heart surgery, and he mentions to Keith, you know, Todd ought to consider sitting at a table a little more often. So, 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 so Jim and Elaine, uh, we love you. Jim, continue to get better. Merry Christmas to y'all. Uh, 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 we love you. And Jim, I am here for you today, sitting, sitting, at this, uh, sitting at this table. And we've been talking about uh, uh, the miracle of Christmas, the mystery. We started off, remember, two weeks ago, Jesus is the one. 
He's, he's the greatest of all time. Last week, we looked at uh, episode two. This Jesus, who is the one, has two natures, bewildering, complicated. I'll tell you, I've been pondering this seriously for 40 years, and it still gives me awe in their element. I don't know how somebody can be completely God and completely human being, not 50% human, not 50% God, but 100% God and 100% human being. We unpacked it. It's essential for him to be the Savior that he be both. But I'm just going to tell you, it is, it is wild. You want to talk about, Lord, open our eyes and wonder, Every Christmas, I think about this more, and I am wondering about how does this exactly work. It is a miracle that is absolutely essential to our Christmas celebration. And uh, uh, today, we're talking about episode three. You probably picked it up, how God, God, in his entirety, in his unity, there is one God but how each of the persons in the one God are involved in the birth of Christ. Again, our hope is that we get a little sense of wonder and that you all know, I know, if we're going to experience awe and wonder, I'm not going to be able to do it. God in his spirit must move. But what we celebrate at Christmas, this season that gets us so excited, is this infinite love of God, this unfathomable love of God, the core of his heart in sending his son into this world. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all critically and essentially and integrally involved in this birth. So, Father, I pray what I've been praying, and that prayer continues. That you would fill us with life, that you would fill us with the hope, that you would fill us with the joy of Jesus. Father, there's one thing, really all kinds of things, but one thing that there's just not so, uh, enough of in this world, and that's love. And that you are the author, you are the giver of love because you are love. I pray this morning that we're talking about ideas that many of us understand. If there's no increase in our understanding here this morning, my prayer is that somehow you'll increase the meaning and the significance of that. I pray that you'd take those ideas, even if we get them all, and penetrate our hearts just a little more thoroughly. That's my prayer that we might leave here celebrating the birth of Jesus, oh, Father, but being wrapped in the loving arms of our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've just had the text read for us beginning at Luke 126. So now I'm going to use that text and reference it. But I hope what we see here is how Luke, the author, wants to make it pretty explicit that God, all of God, all of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are united in this birth we celebrate. And the first is with the Father's role. 
Because he's the one that orchestrates this birth. And what does he do? He sends Gabriel. Now, he'd already sent Gabriel to uh, uh, Zechariah. Remember, Zechariah is in the most holy place, and he's told he's going to have a miraculous son. You remember that, Luke 1? And Zechariah, in the most holy of place, a priest of God, he says to the Gabriel, hey, is there some way you can actually prove who you are? You remember if you go back to the text? As we go through this text again, you're going to notice Mary has a distant response. She's got some questions, but she's not asking, explain who you are. When Gabriel shows up, here's what most people would understand. He was sent by God. He speaks for God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel was sent from God. Everything that happens here is because God the Father is behind it to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a small dinky town not noted for anything, to a virgin, this is important, betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, to a virgin. She hadn't been with a man. This is important data that Luke's given us to us. Betrothed. Engagements in that day were a little different than ours because this is significant in terms of Jesus' lineage. When you got engaged in that culture, you were legally bound. And the fiancé, the husband, was legally responsible for that woman. That was usually about a year later when they consummated the marriage with a big party. But that engagement back then had a little more legal implication than it does in our culture. And of the house of David, you go back to 2 Samuel 7, a thousand years before the birth of Jesus, God says to David, hey, from you is going to come the Savior. This is a big stinking deal. This is from God. And Gabriel's telling this now to Mary. And the virgin's name mentions it twice. This is a big deal. What we talked about last week, that this baby is going to be God Almighty and a human being. Mary. Of no note. But God has favored Mary, and he's with her. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. Now, the word here really derives, and this is a good translation, is from the word grace. God is showing you grace. His grace is upon you, and the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She wasn't like Zachariah, like, would you validate that you're speaking for God and somehow prove that? But she's lived a pretty ordinary life. And all of a sudden, there's an angel from God talking to her. She's understandably bewildered and afraid. And the angel, Gabriel, says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have grace with God. God has poured his grace out on you, and he is with you. 
Now, we usually don't talk about it too much. This woman got dumped the grace of God on her life. But she was put in a position where everyone assumed that she'd had intimate physical relationship with somebody before the wedding day. In our culture today, it feels like to me it's more challenging for us to understand what that meant for her. Joseph had to live with the same thing. This virgin birth thing was not that popular in understanding when it actually happened. She's the mother of the Christ. She's the mother of the Messiah. Let's not ever miss it. She didn't have an easy life, and that's not what the angel Gabriel promised her. 33 years later, she's going to have the kind of experience that I wish no parent ever had to have. But Gabriel, on behalf of God, says, understand this, what's ever ahead, you found favor and grace with God, not going to be easy, but God's with you. You will never, ever be alone. The almighty God is your strength and your comfort because he loves you. This baby's going to grow up and he's going to say to everyone who comes to treasure him, I will never leave you or forsake you. Christmas is a wonderful time. For some of us, we like to put the pain and the sorrow in the back drawer and just not think about it. My encouragement is, he loves us and he's with us. Let's not ignore the pain. This baby came to help us by being with us through anything. And he names the baby. Joseph. Now, there's not much written about uh, in Scripture about Joseph, and I don't know about you, but when my wife delivered our kids, she had priority in naming our kids. But I liked having some say, I love Joseph, and he has to be told in a dream to go take this woman because it's embarrassing, it's humiliating, but he didn't even get to name the kid. God the Father names the baby. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. From the Hebrew, Joshua. The Lord is salvation. That's a fairly common name back then. That's why oftentimes in Scripture you, write, you read Jesus of Nazareth. Part of that's to distinguish him from the other Jesuses, lest people get confused. But God Father names his son, the incarnate son, human name, which means the Lord is salvation. Let's not ever wonder about who this baby is. 
and he is the father of this baby. Not Joseph. He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. We talked about that pretty extensively last week, so I'm not going to belabor it, because he is. He's the son of Mary, absolutely. He's also the son of God in a way that nobody else is. He will give Jesus the throne of David, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. David's a big figure. I look at the Old Testament, you got three biggies. You want to guess what they are? You want to guess what I think they are? First one, Abraham. He's the hero of the Pentateuch. Moses writes the Pentateuch, but Moses himself, the author, doesn't make himself the hero. Abraham, who was saved by faith, is the hero. Moses, lots of good guys, important guys in the Old Testament. The third one, David. The promise is made to David a thousand years before. A thousand years. Can you imagine how frustrating that would have been if they had smartphones? I mean, in our day and age, I'm going to tell you, if it takes a second and a half for my phone to load something, I'm like, what is wrong with this? I'm going to call Apple and get this fixed. A thousand years later, the baby is born. Father, he's the one that orchestrates this. The Holy Spirit has a pretty significant role. He makes Mary pregnant. He conceives with Mary. And Mary said to the angel, okay, I get this prophecy. I understand what you're saying, but I also have a basic understanding of biology. So how will this be? Third time now that Luke, as he records this narrative, it's a big idea. Uses the word virgin. How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I remember when my daughter Casey was in fifth or sixth grade, we were driving around in my red Buick LeSabre. It was a sweet ride. And she was in fifth or sixth grade. I can't remember exactly. But she's starting to process this whole incarnation and Holy Spirit conceiving with Mary. And I still remember saying, okay, Dad, so let me get this. God had a baby with Mary. And she asked a question that I had never asked until she asked it. She's trying to figure this whole thing out. And she asked. She wasn't trying to be funny. Fifth or sixth grade now, trying to figure this out and process it. Shouldn't they have been married? I still remember going, ha! I'd never actually conceived of that one. How does this exactly work? You hear a lot of I don't knows from me. Here's one more. But here's what I know. 
the author of all life. He who created everything out of nothing. He took care of it. Now, sometimes I hear folks say, we ought to talk more about the Holy Spirit. You know, he's pretty much the silent one of the Trinity. And I think there may be some truth to that. But the Holy Spirit's role is to move in our hearts. The Holy Spirit's role is to convince us and convict us of the beauty and the glory of Jesus. He, quite frankly, doesn't want the attention. What thrills the Holy Spirit is when we think about Jesus, when we talk about Jesus, when we wrestle God and man and how that goes, the Holy Spirit is the one empowering us to think. And when we sit there and go, that Jesus is awesome, the Holy Spirit gets a very big smile on his face. We celebrate this birth of Jesus. Oh, Father orchestrated it. The Holy Spirit made it happen. But the focus, uh, I think you can argue the focus of the whole Scripture, Old Testament and New, I'm going to argue, is Jesus. Don't hear me minimizing God. If you have challenges with that, text my doctor. I'll give you his email. Don't hear me diminishing God. There is one God. But of the three persons, the focus is Jesus. <sighs> and God, the Son is born. It's what makes Christmas such a stinking big deal. Can I say stinking in that context? You guys understand what I mean. Is that all right? A euphemism there? I mean stinking in a good way? Can you follow? Is everybody following that? Yeah, okay. It's a stinking big deal and worthy of our celebration. And Jesus will be his name. And you shall call him. The Lord is salvation. Can't be saved any other way. No other options. God loves us. And he provided us salvation. He did. He is that salvation. And he will be great. We talked about this that first week. I mean, it's like, I wish he just said he is the greatest because that's actually the truth of this. He will be great. And the more fully we recognize that, the more fully we appreciate it, the more fully, the more our eyes are filled with wonder, the Holy Spirit is sitting there going, I did that. And here's what I want you to experience. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. Because he is. In tremendous humility, Jesus left the glory of heaven, forfeited the right to be seen as who he is and has always been. 
This baby is the son of God. He's going to sit on David's throne. He is the king that was promised. And he will rule and there'll be no end to his kingdom. He's given the father David and his kingdom will never, ever end. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now his kingdom was initiated when he arrived. There's a present reality to his kingdom right now. The peace, the joy, the hope, the love that comes with treasuring who he is, the life transformation, all our guilt being taken away and our experiencing spiritually this relationship with God. But there's a future component to his kingdom that will be realized when Jesus, the King of Kings, returns. That's the new heaven, the new earth. Everything gets restored to what it was like in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve fell. That's who this baby is. And he will be holy. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Now, theologically, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the one that makes this most clear. As human beings, we inherit sin from Adam and Eve. This is a problem. Jesus, part of the virgin birth and being conceived by the Holy Spirit, did not. Now, exactly how does that work when Mary is his mother? You're going to hear me say again, I'm not exactly sure. Roman Catholics solved it this way several centuries ago. How many of you have heard the term immaculate conception? Theologically, that doesn't reference Jesus. He was conceived immaculately, but the immaculate conception for Roman Catholics actually references Mary because here's the problem they're trying to solve. How was Jesus born without sin if Mary had sin? So their theology is she had a human father and mother, but God immaculately conceived her so that she didn't have sin. You following me? I don't believe that. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to treasure her son just like we do to be forgiven. But this baby, God, human being, did not inherit sin and lived for 33 years. We talked about that last week without sinning. He had to do that in order to be the holy, unblemished sacrifice for us. And he will be our Savior. 
Luke goes on in chapter 2, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He came into this world ultimately to pay for all our junk. To take the shame and the guilt and to wash it away. And to be that Savior, the Father orchestrated it. The Holy Spirit worked to impregnate Mary, and then the baby was born. God. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. So here's my encouragement this week. Start at the beginning of Luke and read the first and second chapter and say, Lord, reveal to me more fully the truth of your love. How you worked in Zachariah's life and Elizabeth's life and brought this miracle of John the Baptist into the world, which was a miracle. They were stinking old. They shouldn't have had kids. But just a setup to Jesus. Ah, Lord, speak to me of the truth and the beauty of who you are. Help me to see the glory of Jesus a little more fully. As you pray this week, most of my prayers I end in, in Jesus' name, amen. My encouragement is to pray again in Jesus' name. But my encouragement is you end the prayers this week, here's how I'd encourage you to end them. In Jesus' name, this week I'm going to replace it with the Lord. The Lord is salvation. Same thing. It's Christmas. People are warm. They're feeling the fuzziness of the season. What an opportunity for us to connect. Somebody you know that you doubt that they get the fullest understanding of Christmas. They're a friend. They're a family member, work associate. I don't care what the relationship is. And don't limit it to one person, but before next Sunday, reach out to somebody you know and just initiate some conversation. Take them to coffee, take them to lunch, write them a text, send them an email. You know, again, for those of you who have trouble thinking of what to say, hey, Merry Christmas. What are you doing for Christmas? Can we get together and have coffee and just relax? See where the conversation goes. The Holy Spirit, we don't talk about him that much, but let me assure you, he is working. He just prefers to do his stuff, almost all of it, from behind the scenes. My conviction is, he's actually in those of us who treasure Christ. 
have a conversation. And I've said it the last two weeks, my wife encouraged me to do less expressive dancing on the stage after the last two weeks. So I am just going to sit here, but I'm going to say it again. If there's anybody that ought to know how to party, it ought to be us. She's not here, so this is the confidential part of the service that we just keep with us. Have great celebrations. The love of God that motivated him to send Jesus, it is worth celebrating over and over again. Invite you back this Christmas Eve, Saturday night, right in this room. We're going to gather as an entire family, everybody of every age. If you're 117 and if you're just a newborn baby, come show up. We're going to have a great time uh, celebrating uh, uh, Jesus. Next Sunday morning, we get it. It's Christmas Day. Most of us will be hanging with our families. We think that's a great place to be. But if you'd like to, there will be a service here. It's going to be a little more brief than what we typically do, a little shorter sermon than what we typically do. But if you'd like to come celebrate the birth of Jesus next Sunday morning here, we invite you back. If you're home with your family, that's great. We'll also have something on demand. It's going to be short. But you can click on the RCC's website, and if you'd like to with your family next Sunday morning or someplace, just watch a, a short little focus on Jesus' birth. We invite you to do that too. I don't know how many times you hear me say it, but it doesn't ever get old for me. I've been experiencing Jesus' love for about 40 years. Let me tell you, there's nothing better than getting more and more of it. That's what he intends. That is the source of our hope, of our joy. The love of God. The love of Christ. So, Father, thank you for this season. Thank you for what it means. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. Holy Spirit, Thank you for working to make this baby who was born almighty God and human being. And Jesus, thanks for coming into the world. Ah, thank you for in humility leaving the glory of heaven. Ah, Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we love you. God, fill us with your love. And as you fill us, we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would use your love filling us to pour into others that so many other folks might experience the true love of Christmas.